Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Science exercise, nutrition, health, energy, passion. One year, no beer. This is the One Year No Beer podcast, where you will find all the latest tips, tricks and hacks for a way to live better. Today's podcast is with a big hero of mine, Hal Elrod. So you can imagine my joy, my excitement when I happened to mention the Miracle Morning on the Rich Roll podcast, Hal and his team were listening. Uh, his publicist, Ruth, reached out and said, look, we heard you mention the book. Hal's got a new book coming out called The Miracle Equation. Would you like a copy? Would I what? So this was the first time ever anyone, especially the author, had sent me a copy of their new book. I was super excited. And then Ruth, his publicist, said, I'll tell you what, Hal's coming to London. Would you like to meet him? Would you like to interview him for the One You Know Beer podcast? She peered in. I couldn't think of anything better. And this is the conversation that flowed from that meeting of minds. I think you're really going to enjoy it. We go into the miracle morning. We go into the miracle equation. We talk about Hal's backstory of overcoming a near-fatal car crash, overcoming cancer, how he deals with affirmations. This is a really important topic that I didn't quite understand until Hal gives us a full explanation how he uses affirmations to fire up his life. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. I certainly did. Uh, I feel very privileged to have met a hero of mine, and hopefully that shines through in the conversation that follows. Enjoy. All right, so welcome to the One You Know Beer podcast, Hal. This is a proper fanboy moment for me, because awesome. your first book, uh, The Miracle Morning, was a total game changer for me. Um, my story around alcohol, that I'd taken a break, and I was just getting some momentum, I was getting that energy, that zest for life back, but I couldn't find any time. Anyway, it just didn't seem to be in my life. It was stress, work, family, repeat. And then I stumbled upon your book and it was just like this little miracle of wisdom. It was like, hold on, there's loads of people crushing it before breakfast. Maybe I can find some time in the morning, which I did. I read the book, The Six Habits, was totally into it. Found half an hour, which became an hour, which became two hours. And in those two hours, wrote two books, wow. went back, did a degree, did a master's degree, co-founded One You Know Beer, lost a load of weight, got super fit and healthy all before breakfast based on your book. So to kick it off, thank you for having the courage and the wisdom to put that into a book because it changed the game for me. Well, congrats, yes. man. You're welcome and, and yeah. congratulations. And thank you for, for living it. You know, it's one yeah. thing to learn. A lot of people learn something, but, you know, for, for you to actually step up and, and implement it and live it. And, and uh, yeah, now and now you're paying it forward and helping others. So it's great. Yeah. And, you know, I think the, the, the Miracle Morning, if we can talk about that briefly yeah, first, absolutely. I know we're going to talk about the Miracle Equation because I think the two are really important for our listeners. But again, because of this alcohol um, adventures that we take people on, the mornings become so like so rich for people because they start to sleep better. Mm -hmm. You know, alcohol destroys quality of sleep. So they've got this energy and this zest. So I think it's probably one of the most popular topics within our tribes and our community are about mornings and your book consistently 
shows up for people, which, which is really inspiring. So I just thought if you could give people that don't know just a whistle stop of uh, The Miracle Morning and maybe The Six Habits. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, The Miracle Morning is a uh, daily practice, obviously, that you do in the morning. Yeah. Um, and I will say this, it, it didn't start as a book idea. It was in 2007 when the United States economy crashed. Um, I kind of crashed with it. You know, I lost uh, my business started failing. I lost over half my clients, therefore half my income. Um, I, my body fat percentage tripled. I was in the worst shape of my life physically, stopped exercising. Um, and I really got mentally and emotionally, I was, I was really down. I was depressed because nothing was working. It was uh, the six month kind of downward spiral. And, um, I, uh, I just started Googling, you know, what are the world's most successful people do? every day and I, I came across morning rituals and morning routines, but I thought, nah, I'm not a morning person. Yeah. Like what else do they do? You know, where, where's the plan, the success plan for those who wake up later and still crush it, right? Um, and long story short is I, I, well, long story longer, I read, uh, I, I just, I, I read one article, I can't remember what it was called, but it got my attention that how you start your day isn't just, isn't equal in terms of the effect it can have on the rest of your life. It's the linchpin. It's the it determines everything. So, in other words, uh, how we start our day determines. It sets the tone and the direction for how we live our day. If we win the morning, we can win the day. And and of course, you come across all these really successful people that swear by their morning ritual. And so, um, the miracle morning, in in its essence, and then I'll drive in, dive into the six topics. But think of it this way: um, it's you're starting every day in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state. So that, and when you do that, you are starting the day at your best so that you can bring your best to your work, to your family, to your goals and everything else. Um, another way of looking at it is that the, the morning time um, is the, that you have time where, you know, if you're waking up a little bit earlier than normal, right? Your, the phone calls aren't coming in yet, right? Work isn't starting, you, you know, you, right? You, you feel that sense of solitude and you really are giving a gift to yourself. Um, when I started the Miracle Morning, I was going, okay, well, what am I gonna do for my morning ritual? Like, what's the best morning ritual? And I Googled the best personal development practices. And I was looking for the one, trying to figure out which one should I do? I'll wake up a little earlier and I'll do one. And I had a list of six. I had meditation, which in the SAVERS acronym became SILENCE, yeah. affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and then journaling, which became scribing for the acronym SAVERS. Um, and I had all six, and I'm, I'm going, okay, well, which of these is gonna make the biggest impact for me? Because again, keep in mind, remember, 2007, I was, I was a mess. I was yeah. financially in a mess. My house was in foreclosure, I was a mess. So I'm going, I, I wanna turn my life around fast. And I go, which of these six is the best? And I'm, and I'm, I'm Googling different articles going, well, who does affirmations and what, what, what you know, all, all, all these different things. And the epiphany happened when I went, wait a minute, what if I did all of these? <laughs> what if I woke up tomorrow morning and I did an hour where I did 10 minutes of each of the six, 10 minutes of meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and journaling. And I was like, that would be the ultimate morning. That'd be like, the, that'd be the best of all of this, right? And I got all excited. And, I, and what's interesting is my entire life, I had never been a morning person. But that night, I was like a kid on Christmas Eve, like excited to try this. Woke up the next morning, jumped out of bed, right? And now keep in mind, my outer world was still a mess. My bank account, all this was still a mess. But I get up and I do these six practices and I, I did them terribly. 
right? Like I had never meditated before. I had never, I didn't know how to do these. I I'd never done affirmations. They felt weird and awkward to say these things to myself. But even doing them poorly, one hour went by and I, I, I had a renewed hope. I went, wait a minute. If I start every day like this, yeah. it's only a matter of time before I continue becoming the person that I need to be to create everything I've wanted for my life. And I was thinking it would be six to 12 months to turn things around. It was less than two months. Right around the two month mark, I had more than doubled my income from $5,000 a month to $12,000 a month. I was training for a 52 mile, I think that's 112 kilometers, uh, ultra marathon. And my depression had gone away within a matter of days. And I went to my wife and I go, sweetheart, I just got another client. We're officially at the highest income we've ever earned. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm feeling great. I said, this morning routine has changed my life so fast it feels like a miracle. She goes, it's your miracle morning. Oh, perfect. Yeah, and I go, yeah. that's it. Yeah. And then I started teaching it to my coaching clients at the time, and e almost every single one of them said, Hal, I'm not a morning person. I said, all right, but are you willing to try? You know, give it a shot for a week. Yeah. And they all said yes. And all of them but one, I think it was like 14 out of 15 or 13 out of four, something like that, um, came back and they go, Hal, it, everything you taught me worked. Like I'm waking up early, I feel so good, I'm running again, I'm reading, I'm, you know, all these things. And that's when the light bulb went off that I went, oh, this isn't just, if it works for me and it works for them and none of us were morning people beforehand, this could change the world. You know, this could change anyone's life. And then I, I you know, I wasn't an author at that time, like, or much, like I didn't have an audience, I, but... Now it, we've, you know, it's translated in 37 languages. It's 2 million copies sold. I mean, and it's all work, almost all word of mouth because these six practices, if you do one of them, it'll change your life. When you do all six, it's a miracle and you see results that you, you, you can't even imagine at this point. Oh yeah, and what's fantastic about that is that you weren't a morning person because that's the, that's the first thing that comes up. It's like, yeah, I get all this morning stuff, but I just don't Not for mornings. me, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really good that you hit that like so quickly and early on. Because even I remember in the book, there's like a six minute practice or a seven minute practice. And that's what I say to people. Look, you don't need an hour in the morning. Everyone's got six minutes, or seven minutes to go through each one of these things one minute at a time. Because then you build that momentum that you are someone that meditates. You are someone that moves their body. And from there, you can start to expand it out if you want to do five minutes on each or 10 minutes on each. As you said, but the key is to do them, isn't it? Every single day and everyone can do it, whether you're an evening or a morning person. And if you take a break from alcohol, you get that time back. Yeah. That is the game changer. Well, no, you're absolutely right. And, and that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm often asked about doing it in the morning. People will go, well, the savers are great. Those six practices I could see, but could I do them in the evening? In fact, I just gave a talk here at the How To Academy in London. And that, that was a gentleman who raised his hand and asked that. Can I do a miracle evening? And here's the thing is that the benefits of those six practices are immediate, right? So for example, if you meditate, you lower your cortisol levels and you have lower stress and you're more reactive, you think clearer. If you exercise, right, you increase the, you release endorphins that make you feel happy and you have more energy and you, and you get blood and oxygen in your brain so you also have more clarity and, you know, clearer thinking. So if you do it in the evening, you're missing out on those benefits all day long. And the idea is that you do it in the morning and now you're priming yourself yeah to be more effective you know, throughout everything else you do during the day. Yeah, so a big part of my practice and what I coach within the groups and in my new book, Let's Do This, right? It's all about journaling as well. Journaling is a big thing to try and bring you into that morning space to get you into those routines, whether it's quiet time, meditation, scribing, as you describe it, because it sets up the day, doesn't it? It starts your day 
with intention, like yeah. on purpose, rather than suddenly you pick up the phone and there's the email or there's the lost lunchbox and then before you know it, the day's over. Yeah. Whereas I think you've just said that perfectly. It's about starting your day of intention. So though, of course, you can do this at any point during the day. If you want the real value, sure. put it in the morning. Yeah. I think it's so important. And in terms of the miracle morning and this huge phenomenon that it's become, I mean, how have you found that? I mean, that in itself just must have been mind blowing. Yeah, it, it's uh, when I so when I wrote the book, I like I said I didn't have an audience, and and I almost didn't. I mean, there were so many days. It took me three years to write it. You know, it took a long time, and there were so many days where I just remember. I, I mean, I can literally visualize myself sitting on my couch in front of my computer, having writer's block, and just going, "What am? What I'm wasting my time anyway. No one's going to read this." A, I, 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 you know, I don't know how I'm going to get this out there. B. I thought, um, how in the heck am I going to convince people to be a morning person when they've spent their entire lives reinforcing the limiting belief that says, I'm not a morning person. I'm a night owl. I mean, I've tried. It doesn't work, right? And, um, and when the book came out, it didn't come out to, you know, and a lot of people don't know that. Like, because I didn't have an audience, there was, it wasn't like this overnight success. It took me a year and a half to really get momentum with it. Of, you know, and in that year and a half, I did upwards of 200 podcast interviews. I gave like 50 speeches. I, I did, you know, over a dozen television interviews. Like I worked my butt off, right? Um, and it wasn't really until it was word of mouth where people started, you know, slowly people bought it. They did it. It changed their lives. And then they told their friends. And so now I just got back from Brazil. It's the number one book in Brazil right now of every book out there. Um, we, 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 uh, my, my publisher just emailed me or he texted me. He said that you're, you're approaching a million copies sold in Brazil in, it's been out for maybe two years, which, yeah, I mean, so to your point, how is it? It's surreal, you know? Um, and it also, um, it's, you know, it's, it is, it's for sure. It's fulfilling. It's like, wow. I like my, I feel like my life's work has, you know, and now it's just about how do we go from 2 million people to, Two billion people, you know, and, and really, and really, uh, my, my goal now is to elevate the consciousness of humanity one person at a time. And we, the Miracle Morning for Teachers comes out uh, next month. And, uh, and the goal is to get the Miracle Morning in every school in the world, uh, you know, one at a time. But so that imagine if students started their day with meditation and affirmations and visualization and journaling and all those practices, yeah. right? They would get centered and get clear and get focused. Um, and I think it could, you know, it could end bowling. Like, how are you going to beat up the kid that you just meditated with? And, you know, uh, yeah. so, yeah, so there's, there's, there's you know, I'm, I'm really feel that my life is dedicated to my family first. Well, I guess it kind of myself first, my family second. Um, and then, and then really the world, I'm trying to figure out how can I use my time on earth to make the biggest impact that I can. So I think it's absolutely stunning. And I know there's been so many spinoffs from the, the, the miracle morning into yeah. addiction, recovery, yeah. as you say, teachers, and we'll come back to some of that, um, in a moment, but just as a segue into your latest book, yeah. the miracle equation, because I think you're so true in what you said in the miracle equation that. The morning miracle gets that momentum going and, and you know I, I think about our members they come along they take a break from alcohol they get this energy like i did they get this momentum but ultimately they still have this behemoth of a challenge to overcome which is taking a break from alcohol sure and i think that's where the miracle equation comes in yeah that that, that faith combined with that consistent effort leads to miracles overcoming alcohol and genuinely and i'd say for, for myself it feels like a miracle when you overcome it. Sure. But you need those two things. You need that faith or belief, yep. that mindset that you can do it, because I think so many people start their alcohol-free adventure and they believe they can't. 
Um, but then when they overcome that with the consistency of showing up every day, whether they you know, slip up or not, suddenly they gain momentum, a miracle happens. So I think it's a nice segue into your book because I think both of them jive so well together. Yeah. You know, I'd recommend them together because the, the morning miracle builds that momentum, but the equation starts to give you a bit more of a how-to, I think, around specific topics such as yeah. taking a break from alcohol. So maybe if you could even expand on, on yeah, the, the connection the kind of. Yeah. So the Miracle Morning is a practice for daily personal development, yep. right? It's based on the philosophy that your success is a result of who you become, right? So if you want to become more successful, if you want to be successful, it's not about staying the same and doing more. It's about becoming a better version of yourself so that you are more knowledgeable, more capable, more skilled, um, have, a, have a greater mindset, and you can, do, you can achieve more often by even doing less because you've become a better version of yourself. That's the miracle morning is that process for personal development. Yeah. The miracle equation is the process for goal achievement. Yeah. And what I realized is that the miracle morning is only half the equation, so to speak, which is kind of the name miracle equation. The idea that you can read and journal and meditate, um, but that those practices don't actually produce the re results you want in your life, the tangible results, unless the results are just internal. Yeah. Right. But meaning that you could be the most personally developed person on the planet, but still stay in your comfort zone. Right. You could wake up every day, do your miracle morning, and then that's it. You go about your day doing the same thing you always do and don't do any better. Right. Now, it's not as likely because as you become more, you're naturally inclined to want to achieve more and produce more and, and give more. But the miracle equation is okay. If you've got your process, the miracle morning for daily personal development, and you're growing and you're becoming a better version of yourself. What is then the process for getting out of your comfort zone and going after your biggest goals and dreams? And I think the best place to start is ask, what is it that prevents us from achieving everything we want in life, right? What, are, what is standing in our way? What, are the, what is holding us back from our full potential and living the life we truly want? And I think you can break it down to really two, two categories. It's either an issue with mindset or it's an issue with behavior, and it's almost always an issue with both simultaneously. Yeah. So with mindset, what holds us back from our biggest goals and dreams is some element of fear. And I think that self-doubt is the, is the specific element of fear that holds us back. Because we tend to, you know, you mentioned that when it comes to quitting alcohol, most people believe they can't do it. And the reason is that in our subconscious mind, we're equipped with what I call it, we have a rear view mirror, right? Yeah. And I call this rear view mirror syndrome. I talk about the miracle morning where when every, every moment when you're faced with an opportunity or a challenge, you check the rear view mirror and you look into your past to identify who you are and define who you are. And you go, well, have I given up alcohol before? You check the rear view, you go, nope. You might even go, have I tried and failed? You check the rear view, yep. So all of a sudden you're now reinforcing this identity that, I'm a failure. Yeah. I can't do this thing. And again, alcohol is one of, in, you can apply this to any area of your life, right? If you want to be wealthy, for example, and you check the review, have I been wealthy? Nope. Have I wanted to or tried and, and failed? Yep. Right. So, okay. So the idea is fear and self-doubt is what holds us back in terms of our mindset. What's the opposite of fear? It's faith. Right. And I don't mean faith in a higher power. Yeah. Not to take that away. You can have faith in a higher power, but it mu you must have faith in yourself. And, and, and that's where the opposite of self-doubt. So the opposite of fear is faith. The opposite of self-doubt is faith in yourself. And um, and so 
the first decision of the miracle equation is unwavering faith. You must establish unwavering faith that you can have, be, and do anything that you want in your life that you're committed to. And then you've got to, and this is the tricky part, how do you maintain that faith through the ups and the downs and the challenges and the, the periods of low energy and, and the self-doubt that will keep showing up for you, right? So that's the first element is what holds us back. What's standing in our way of what we want is fear that often manifests as self-doubt. And we must override that with faith and specifically faith in ourselves. And just to jump in there as well on that belief part, the faith part, which is so important. I find myself talking about this all the time. It's that, you know, whether you believe you can or you can't. You're right, probably yeah. Probably right. I mean, it's self-fulfilling prophecy. And, and this is what I think is so insightful about the book, which I love, and the wisdom within it is that that's the key part. It's so essential, isn't it? That belief of whether you can or you can't, you're probably right. And I find myself talking about this all of the time because that seems to be the number one thing that holds people back. Yeah. That belief, I can't do it. The rear view mirror, look into the past, I failed before, I'm a failure, I'm gonna fail again. And that just keeps this repetitive cycle going over of continued failure, like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And the work you're doing within the book and the work I'm always trying to do is to shatter that glass ceiling, those limits that we put on our life, whether it's financially, whether it's around alcohol, whether it's around the way that we exercise. And that's exactly what that first piece of the equation is. I think that's why it's so important. Yeah, no, yeah, I completely agree. And and, and um, when it comes to unwavering faith, I'll, I'll, like it's such an intangible, right? So if someone's listening, they're like, yeah, but how do I, how do I establish that faith? How do I maintain that faith? I'm going to give you a really simple way. And um, it's, it's, it's supposed to be simple, right? This isn't rocket science. But if you're listening to this, this is where you're going to want, probably going to want to write this down. So you might need to rewind it and come back to this part. This is the affirmation, my favorite affirmation that I use to establish unwavering faith. I am just as worthy, deserving, and capable of blank. And that blank is for you, right? Yeah. It's whatever you want, whatever you want to change or establish in your life, that's your blank to fill in. So I'm just as worthy, deserving, and capable of blank as any other person on earth. And today I will prove that with my actions. So that affirmation, when you read it every day, the first day you read it, you might not believe it, right? But you, you, you should consider that it's true. Right. I mean, the only limitations on us are physical. Yeah. Right. I mean, like meaning if you're, you know, if you're not very tall, you might not play in the, you know, in, in, in professional basketball. Yeah. Right. Um, but but beyond physical limitations, the majority of the right, it's all it's all mental and emotional limitations. We are standing in our own way. So that affirmation reminds me I'm just as worthy, deserving and capable of writing a book, of becoming a millionaire, of have, you know, being a great father, of losing weight, whatever it is for you. Right. Um, so that's the unwavering faith piece and how you establish it. And you read that belief over, I mean, literally, you've got to read that every single day. Yeah. And whenever you face, an, you encounter an obstacle, a challenge, uh, uh, your self-doubt shows up for you again, you've got to pull that affirmation out, you know, out of your pocket, off your phone, whatever. And you've got to override the fear with that faith. Yeah, and this is really important. If we can just talk briefly about yeah. affirmations. Because this is something that I'm really interested in because it's that sort of, it falls into that, that sort of self-help yeah, genre, yeah. which I think maybe it's a British thing or whatever. Yeah. It sort of always feels a little bit cringeworthy. Sure. And I use affirmations, I agree. right? Yeah. And I like them and, and I'm experimenting with them all the time, right? And I think people have this misconception that you have to stand in front of the mirror and go, you're great. 
you're amazing, you're the great, you know, that sort of affirmation. Yeah. I think nope. that puts people off, but like the affirmations that I like to work on and that you've just described there are really targeted, right? You're just getting into that piece of your brain. And I know you're a big, you know, advert for affirmations. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, but just we talk No, about I, I love, this is my favorite topic. So yeah. I, I'm glad you teed me up for this. Um, yeah, so yeah, if you are, if you are skeptical of affirmations, if you're listening to this right now, you know, then, uh, then I would say, um, Welcome to the club. I mean, I, I yeah, thought yeah. affirmations were cheesy. Yeah. You know, I'm amazing. I am great. I, like yeah. you said, those are cheesy. So first, I'll talk about the problem with affirmations. There's two problems in my in my from my vantage yeah. point, and then I'll talk about the the solutions. I'll give you four steps to create affirmations that are rooted in truth, that are effective and results oriented. So the the two problems with affirmations. Number one uh, is that we've been taught by you know self help gurus to lie to ourselves in some way, right? right? Yeah. If you wanna be something, just tell yourself you're already that thing. You wanna be wealthy, just say, I am wealthy. I am a millionaire. I am this, I am that, right? But if you, or even I am great. If you don't believe that, then telling yourself you are that when you don't yet believe it, you're, you're now piling liar on top of your, you know, your, yeah. your other issues. Um, so instead of saying, I am this thing that you're not, you need to, affirm I am committed to becoming that thing. I am committed to developing yes. that trait. I am committed to achieving that result, right? So it doesn't matter, don't, don't lie to yourself, affirm what you're committed to. The second problem with affirmations is that passive flowery language does not work, it's actually counterproductive. So uh, we've also been taught by self-help gurus over the years to affirm things like, um, or you may have heard this one before, I am a money magnet. Money flows to me effortlessly, like, and in abundance. No, it doesn't. That's not how money works, yeah. right? And the problem, here's the problem. It's counterproductive. If you affirm that you're a money magnet and money's magically going to fly into your life, well, then why work for it, right? Well, you're just going to sit back on your, you know, butt, be passive and hope for it. You're going to sit and wait and hope that the money, that your magnetism attracts it. It doesn't work that way. I, I think anybody that's built a fortune had to work for it for the most part unless they inherited it. They had to put forth effort. They didn't, it didn't magically attract into their life. Um, so the two problems with affirmations, again, number one, lying to yourself doesn't work. Number two, flowery passive language doesn't work. So what does work? Four steps to create affirmations that are rooted in truth, logic, action, and that are, that are results-oriented. Step one, I, I alluded to it a second ago, a minute ago. Um, affirm what you're committed to. So I'll just stick with the with the money money concept. Yeah. Let's say you want to be wealthy. Don't say I am wealthy if you're if you're broke. Say I'm committed to becoming wealthy. And I would say get specific. I'm committed to earning hundred thousand dollars, you know, uh, in the next twelve months. Or I'm yeah. committed to becoming a millionaire by age forty or whatever. Right? Get specific, but affirm what you're committed to because guess what? In order to achieve it, a it's on you. It's not going to happen because of magic or a vision board. You have to actually go out there and and, and create that you know whatever value someone will pay you money yeah. for. So reinforcing what you're committed to is crucial. Step number two is, why is that deeply meaningful to you? Right, so for me, I used to, when I was in my 20s, I wanted to be a millionaire. Um, it was a goal and I didn't, you know, I didn't come close, but I didn't have a deeply meaningful why. I just wanted, I thought I could buy a bunch yeah. of cool stuff, right, I'd buy a Ferrari and, and I wasn't even close. When I was 30, I had my first baby, my first, my daughter, Sophie. And I affirmed, I'm committed to becoming a millionaire uh, so that, uh, I can provide financial freedom for my wife, Ursula, my daughter, Sophie, and, and for myself, for our family. Um, in five years, it was a reality, right? I, I set the goal when I was 20, to happen, happen by the time I was 25, didn't happen. 
25, set it at 30, didn't happen. Got clear on a deeply meaningful why, and it happened five years later. It was, you know, it was a result. So uh, step three is what specific actions must you take? And this isn't rocket science, right? Yeah. This is, I mean, this is, you know, this is, you could say this is generic, some of this is generic self-help in terms of, yeah, you got to get clear on your action steps, right? Just because you've heard that before, don't discount it. Are you clear on exactly what you need to do or what time you need to dedicate? You might not know the exact action step, but you know that you need to dedicate 30 minutes a day or an hour a day to achieving your goal or your, or your biggest goals and dreams. And the fourth step is what spe- or when specifically will you take those actions? So let me just wrap those four up. Step one, affirm what you are committed to. What's the, what's the goal or the result? Number two, why is that goal or result deeply meaningful to you? Number three, what specific actions must you take? Will you commit to taking to achieve it? And number four, when will you take those actions? And when you affirm that every day, all you're doing is you are reprogramming your subconscious mind with what exactly you need to focus on to achieve everything that you want. And you're directing your conscious mind so that you're clear, I've got to put these things in my schedule. I've got to follow through today. And when you do that, unless you just read the affirmations and ignore them, you're going to succeed. You just have to live in alignment with what you're affirming every day. Yeah, and that is a brilliant insight into affirmations because I think so many people misunderstand what it's all about. Yeah. So I think everyone listening, we've been lucky just to get a little masterclass. <laughs> there you go. Which is yeah. so important. Again, I used an experiment and I think not enough people do because they don't understand them. Cool. All right. So let's look at the next part of the equation now. Extraordinary effort. Yep. So um, it, 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 like I said, both decisions are deceptively simple in their explanation, extremely rare in their execution. If I told you you have to put forth extraordinary effort, you'd probably go, thanks, Hal. I have to work hard. Got it. Check. I already knew that. Not exactly. If I were to define extraordinary effort in one word, the word would be consistency. That's the word. Right? That is the key word. And here's, and let me just say this in simple terms. My job, by the way, like, I, I, I don't, I think a lot of authors make things complicated to make them sound um, very intellectual, yeah. right? And, and, you know, I mean, I think that that's true is, is they, they don't want something to sound too basic because then they'll be looked at as basic. I take kind of an opposite approach. I go, look, I want to make this so easy that you could hand my book to your third grader, right? Your third grade son or daughter, and they could implement it and see results, right? Like I want to make it simple. So extraordinary effort, it's about consistency. And, and I'll put it in the simplest form. If you do one thing every day that moves you closer to a predetermined outcome, a goal, a dream, something that's really important to you, and every day you do one thing and you never stop doing one thing until you get there, your success is inevitable. Yeah. The only variable is timing. But most people don't do that one thing. They go, they look at the whole outcome. I want to achieve this thing. I want to write this book. I want to, and they go, it's such a big goal, a big dream. I don't even know where to start. Well, you just got to start. And it starts by scheduling time every day. So extraordinary effort doesn't mean working hard. It's just working consistently. It's doing something every day. The Miracle Morning, for example, that was a meaningful result. I wanted to write a book and I wanted to do it not because I thought it would make me successful. Honestly, again, I I didn't think I would sell a lot of copies, but I felt a responsibility to share this idea, this concept that had changed my life with whoever would read it. And I honestly thought that would be a few thousand people, you know? Um, but, uh, it was still a meaningful goal. 
I just wrote for 30 to 60 minutes a day, every day, well, five out of seven days for three years. And eventually, I finally wrote the book. And, and by the way, my goal was to write the book in a year. Didn't hit it. But I didn't give up. Yeah. I kept writing it. Year two, didn't finish it. Damn it. Year three, finally got it done. And I published it. But here's the point. That book has earned, you know, I think it's like I've earned over $4 million because it's self-published in royalties, right? And it's changing all these lives. And that was because I wrote, I dedicated 30 to 60 minutes a day for three years. If you're listening to this, what are, what goal of yours, what dream of yours have you been putting off for too freaking long that all you have, that if you dedicate 30 to 60 minutes a day for as long as it takes, it might take you a year or three or five or 10. But when you, what are you, what is important enough to you that you're willing to dedicate that time? Because if you maintain unwavering faith that you can achieve your goal, your dream, your miracle, and you put forth extraordinary effort each and every day, the only variable is timing. You can't fail. It's only a matter of how long will it take you? But I want to I want to leave everybody with this. I mean, we can still talk, but um, but I want to make sure I include this. When I can tell from experience, when you finally I can tell you from experience when you finally get to the point in your life that you have been working for so hard for so long, you never wish it would happen any sooner. You almost never wish it would happen sooner. You look back with hindsight and you go, "Oh, it had to take me three years. Yeah. It had to take me five years." The journey and the timing are always perfect because you realize that you had to learn the lessons that you learn through trial and error that enabled you to become the person that you needed to be to finally achieve that goal you'd worked for for so long. So when it took me three years to write the Miracle Morning, I didn't go, I didn't go, gosh, dang it, it took me three years. I celebrated. I was done. And when it took me six years to finally reach a million people, even though I was trying to do that in the first year, right? Once I started seeing that it was changing lives, I decided that instead of changing a few thousand lives, I'm going to try to change a million lives. And I set a goal in one year. I sold 13,000 copies that year. I was 99 plus percent short of my goal. The next year I sold like 20,000. I was still short. It took six years of applying the miracle equation. But again, when I finally got to that point, I didn't feel pain. I didn't regret it. I was grateful that I maintained that extraordinary effort almost every day for as long as it took because the miracle is always inevitable when you live by the miracle equation. I love it. And that's the key, isn't it? Is that showing up every day, doing what you've got to do. And that's the bit that most people struggle with. They struggle. They want the end result quickly and not the struggle. But the secret is happiness lies in the struggle. Yeah. Fulfillment lies in the struggle, which you've described beautifully. And I think in the book, you use an analogy or a metaphor of someone winning a lottery, a million dollars on the lottery. Yeah. And then someone, you know, fighting and clawing their way over a period of years to, to get to a place where they earn a million dollars. And their lives are completely different. Yeah. Because in the struggle, in the consistency, in that unwavering faith and that extraordinary effort is all the happiness and the learning and the fulfillment. And that's basically what goes into the equation. I love it. It sums it up, you know, perfectly well. And I think so many people overlook that part. Yeah. And even your own story there, just 30 minutes a day, it's not a lot. You know, in, in relative terms, when you think that it took you that long to create the book, and here's this book now that's sold however many million copies all around the world on just 30 minutes a day, I just think it's fantastic. And I think it's just a brilliant example to anyone listening that you can achieve your miracles, yeah. as it were. Yeah. Um, and just before we, we wrap up, because I'm conscious of your time, there's one thing I wanted to talk about briefly was the five-minute rule. Okay. 
because it's really powerful. Yeah. And I know you've brought it into your life in the most exceptional circumstances after you had the car crash, cancer, cancer, yeah. And you applied this rule. And for me, it's really powerful because I say this to a lot of people. When you rehearse this stuff enough, like you do, suddenly you find yourself in an extreme situation and you can just press play. It's automatic. Yeah. And most people can't understand that. So maybe just explain yeah. a bit about the five-minute role because I think it's important. When I, I learned it when I was 19 years old and I started a career in sales. I was selling Cutco cutlery, you know, kitchen cutlery. Uh, I was in college and uh, this was my, how I was putting my way through college. And on day two of my training, our, my manager, my mentor, Jesse Levine, taught us this thing called the five-minute rule. He said, look, when you go out there in, and you, you're, you're in sales, he said, you're going to experience a lot of ups and downs. There's going to be a lot of disappointment, a lot of challenges. You're going to set a goal. You're not going to hit it. You're going to make a big sale and celebrate, go out to dinner and take your friends out to dinner, and then they're going to cancel their order the next day. You're gonna, he goes, it's really a microcosm for life, you know, just... You know, you, you, there's ups and downs in life, and, and but you're gonna, but they're concentrated in you know one week. He goes, you can have a total emotional roller coaster. He so he said, here's how you combat that. Here's how you manage that. It's called the five minute rule. He said, when something goes wrong, and wrong of course a relative term, but he said when you experience a failure, a disappointment, a setback, he said, set your timer for five minutes, and give yourself five minutes to bitch moan, complain, cry, vent, you know, feel sorry for yourself. He said, but that he goes that way, don't deny the emotion, feel it. But he said, most people dwell on things for days, weeks, months, years, decades. I mean, a lot of us are still suffering over things that happened in our childhood. And we think it's the thing that happened in our childhood that's causing us to suffer, but that's not happening anymore. What's causing us to suffer is our resistance to our reality. It's our wish, falsely wishing and wanting that we could change something from our past that if it's in your past, whether it's five minutes or five decades, you can't change it. So my manager taught us, set your timer for five minutes and then when the five minute timer goes off, take a deep breath and say three words, can't change it. He said, it's an acknowledgement that you can't change what happened five minutes ago. So as an intelligent human being, there's no value in being upset about it any longer. There's no point in dwelling on it, wishing it were different, because that doesn't change it. He said the only intelligent choice to make if you want to be happy and be at peace and move forward is completely accept whatever has happened, as it is, unconditionally. Can't change it. And then ask yourself, what do I, what do I want to do now? What can I do now? What's in my control? And how do I want to feel now? Mm. Um, and he goes, it's usually not angry, frustrated. Usually that's not what you want to feel. So he taught us this. And, and my first thought, which many people listening might be their thought, which is like, come on, five minutes. I need longer than five <laughs> minutes to be upset, right? So the first time I had my first canceled order or canceled appointment, I forget which it was, but um, I, uh, I, I, I was like, oh, so upset. Working towards this goal, you know, really needed this order. I set my timer for five minutes and I was like, I can't believe she canceled. I know she could afford it. She lived in this amazing house. She needed the knives. She was so, how could she do it, right? I was yeah. so upset. And the timer went off after five minutes and sure enough, I was still pissed off. I was still, ah, I need more than five minutes. And I, and I remember I set the timer for five more minutes and I went, and then after the second five minutes, I went, ah, all right, can't change it. I guess I'll get on the phone and schedule some more appointments. And I did, and I felt a little better. Yeah. But here's was the amazing thing that happened. After I did this for a few weeks, I set the timer, and I got, I got more and more aware. It became easier and easier and easier. It became more natural to just 
say, ah, darn it, can't change it, okay, and I would move on. And I remember, I can, I can picture myself where I had a, 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 a gal cancel her appointment and I, it was like my last appointment for the week and I was this close to my goal. And she canceled it. And I was like, no. And I scheduled, I set my timer. I go, I can't believe she canceled it. I don't even have time for another appointment. Oh, what am I going to do? And then I went, gosh darn it. And I picked up my phone and I looked at it and I had four minutes and 32 seconds left, I think. And I went, well, what's the point in being upset for another four minutes and 32 seconds? I could get on the phone and maybe schedule another appointment for today if I really hurry. And I, and I realized wait a minute, I don't feel stressed, I don't feel upset, I don't feel frustrated by simply accepting life as it was, I gave myself the gift of inner peace. And when I had my car accident six months later, or no, it was, yeah, six months later, um, I was hit head on by a drunk driver, found dead at the scene, I came out of a coma six days later, so I would never walk again. And um, you know, I, it, that was obviously a big pill to swallow. I, I, I didn't take five minutes. I took about five days. But Dave, within five days, the doctors told my parents they thought I was in denial because I was so happy. Mm. And my parents came in and my dad said, Hal, the doctors are concerned. They think that you're not facing your reality, that you may never walk again. You know, how are you really feeling? And I said, Dad, I've decided that if I never walk again and I'm in a wheelchair the rest of my life, I'll be the happiest person you've ever seen in a wheelchair. Yeah. Because I can't change it. Yeah. I can't change that I'm in a wheelchair. So what's the point in letting that define my emotional well-being? And I said, but I might walk again, Dad. That's where my energy is going into. In fact, I've accepted the worst case scenario. And I'm maintaining unwavering faith in the best case scenario. And I'm going to maintain unwavering faith until I'm proven otherwise. And three weeks later, actually two weeks later, three weeks after the crash, two weeks after that conversation... The doctors came in with routine x-rays. They said, we don't know how to explain this, but Hal's body is healing so fast. Uh, we're going to let him take his first step in therapy today. So went from never walking again to taking my first step wow. three weeks later. And that is rooted in acceptance. It's rooted in the five-minute rule. It's rooted in the decision that I'm not going to dwell on what I can't change. And when I was diagnosed with cancer, Three years ago, I was given a 20 to 30% chance of surviving. And I told my wife, I called her, I told her the news. We cried together and I was crying mostly because I know how hard it was for her, but I had already accepted it. I had already had my five minutes before I called her. And I called her and I said, sweetheart, look, I know this is hard. It's probably the hardest thing that you and I will ever deal with. And, and, and I'm so sorry, but don't get mad at me when I say this. I believe this is the best thing that has ever happened to me, will ever happen to me because the car accident was the previous best thing that ever happened to me because I learned and I grew and I became the person I am today. And, and I'm able to help people because I share that story. I said, I had imagined this is going to be an even more difficult challenge. And I believe that the greater the adversity, the greater the opportunity for growth. And I'm committed to that. And she got really mad. Um, and then I said, yeah. you know, how could you say that? And, yeah. you know, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, but that's how I genuinely viewed it. And I healed very quickly. The doctors, once again, couldn't believe it. And I believe that I'm not special. I believe that the way that I think and the way I approach life and the five-minute rule and the miracle morning and the miracle equation and those two decisions, all of that, these are practical things that uh, anyone can apply. And just like you know, the miracle morning, two million people have applied it and changed their lives. Yeah. So again, it's, it's not that I'm special. It's that 
I've taken the best of what I learned from other people and I've made it in a way that I just try to make it so simple for myself because I'm not the smartest guy. Like I'm not, you know, I need it to be easy and simple because I don't view myself as a genius. I view myself as like, how can I make this so easy that I can't mess it up, you know? Uh, And I feel like it's the same for anybody. If you're listening to this, you can overcome anything holding you back and you can achieve anything that you want and I'm living proof of that. Yeah, and I think that's that's a wonderful place to wrap it up on such an inspirational story and, and I think just quickly to say that I think when you're working on these techniques and you're working on your mind, you find yourself in a position where adversity comes along and you can deal with it quickly. Yeah. Because you've done all the work prior. Exactly. It wasn't like on that day you decided you'd done the work prior and then it becomes part of who you are, that acceptance, so you can move on. Yeah. And you're here to tell the story, which is wonderful. And just to say, it's been an absolute pleasure. I think what you're putting out into the world is super cool. You inspired me. I'm sure you're going to inspire many of our members. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for having me, man. It was, it was an honor. Oh, you're a star. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the One Year No Beer podcast. For a full list of episodes and to join in the challenge yourself, head on over to oneyearnobeer.com. One year no beer dot com.